Welcome to Set for Life with Pastor Ray Jensen. You can find us at setforliferadio.com. Romans 10.9 says that if you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart that God has raised Him from the dead, you will be saved. So let's listen from God's Word, verse by verse, on how we can prepare for the coming of the Lord and Messiah Jesus, who died on the cross, so that you can be set for life. You'll be set for life if you give your heart and believe what He's done for you. You'll be set for life with the treasure stored up in heaven when you're through. You'll be set for life. The Lord commanded this. If a man makes a vow to the Lord or swears an oath to bind himself by some agreement, he shall not break his word. He shall do according to all that proceeds out of his mouth. Okay, guys, we get that. You say you're going to do it, then do it. it. It sits on you. You vow that, there you go. We, that's easy. It's a little complicated here in verse 3. Or if a woman makes a vow to the Lord and binds herself by some agreement while in her father's house in her youth, and her father hears her vow and the agreement by which she has bound herself, and her father holds her peace, then all her vows shall stand, and every agreement with which she has bound herself shall stand. But if her father overrules her on the day that he hears, then none of her vows nor her agreements by which she has bound herself shall stand, and the Lord will release her because her father overruled her. If indeed she takes a husband while bound by her vows or by a rash utterance from her lips by which she has bound herself, and her husband hears it and makes no response to her on the day that he hears, then her vows shall stand, and her agreements by which she bound herself shall stand. But if her husband overrules her on the day that he hears it, he shall make void her vow which she took and what she uttered by her, with her lips, by which she bound herself, and the Lord will release her. Also, any vow of a widow or a divorced woman by which she has bound herself shall stand against her. Verse 10, if she vowed in her husband's house or bound herself by an agreement with an oath and her husband heard it and made no response to her and did not overrule her, then all her vows shall stand, and every agreement by which she bound herself shall stand. But if her husband truly made them void on the day he heard them, and whatever proceeded from her lips concerning her vows or concerning the agreement binding her, it shall not stand. Her husband has made them void, and the Lord will release her. Every vow and every binding oath to afflict her soul, her husband may confirm it, or her husband may make it void. Okay, so if, if that makes your blood boil, don't write me no emails. I don't want to hear it. You just keep it in the, in the Word of God. We've talked about difference in male and men and women making vows. When it comes to a woman having a male authority over them, being it a father or a husband, the vows are confirmed or voided by his authority. That's what it says. I don't like that, Ray. Well, you go read God's Word, and you take it up with God. I'm just showing you what it said. It's, it's confirmed or voided. Only the divorced woman 
stands by her own vows upon herself. The woman that has no one with her, she can make her own vows and it will stand with it. Why, Why is this like this? Because this is God's order. This is God's order. And so Manoah's wife was commanded to enter a vow, was she not? She was told to enter a Nazarite vow on Samson's behalf. And so the angel of the Lord had to return again, not just to satisfy Manoah's curiosity. Oh, I want to see what he looks like. He had to come back again to speak the terms of the vow in the hearing of Manoah so that he as husband could confirm it for his wife. See, oh, I'd like to see him too, and he comes back. Well, what's my son going to be like? And the angel didn't go there. He restated the terms of the vow because Manoah had to hear this. Now, guys, I'll tell you, this order has nothing to do at all with men being better or superior to women at all. That's not what this is. This has everything to do with accountability is what this is. Suppose the angel never came back and and restated the terms of the vow. Suppose he never came back to speak the terms of the vow to Manoah. And let's say at some point later, Manoah tries to offer his wife some food or drink that she's not supposed to have because the angel told her not to have the drink. And he's at home, here, have some wine. She goes, I can't. Well, now she's in violation with either God or her husband. See, now there's a union getting violated here. Her union with God, obeying God, is getting messed up, or her union with her husband's being messed up. And God's not going to let that sort of thing go down. He wants everything to be nice and in harmony. So the angel came back and spoke in the hearing of Manoah so that he could confirm it. He didn't want to put her, the wife, in a tough situation that would require her to either disobey her husband or disobey God. So Manoah hears it. And it makes them both accountable to the vow so that Manoah can now confirm it upon his wife, therefore also making him also accountable with that vow to help her. Ladies, this is to help. This isn't we're better or not. This is all about protection and help. We're in it with you. We're in to fight with you and help you. That's what this is. This isn't about, oh, man's order. We're first. We're better. This is all about helping you. This is you helping us and us helping you. It's about union. It's about harmony. It's about obedience. All of these, I could do a whole sermon on this, but it keeps them accountable to stay in line with the strict restrictions she has to follow without it violating their marriage or her relationship with God. This isn't about being better. Today's culture likes to distract us so that we'll miss what the Bible is trying to tell us. The Bible is trying to show us God has a way to protect women. Husbands, protect your women. And wives, help the husband. Help the husband and protect the women. And it makes everything work better that way. This is to make things nice. And if you're blinded by this cultural blah, 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 you'll say, oh, man, they're better than me. That's not what this is at all. I'm not going to go too far into that. My point should have been made by now. But, I mean, goodness, even the disciples got into an argument about who's better. Remember at the end of John, who's better, who's better? And Jesus says, what is this to you? Okay, that's not what this is about. Manoah had to be in this. He had to be in the hearing of the terms of the vow so that he could confirm it for the protection of his wife and for his son, Samson. So now that the terms are stated and received, And Manoah, as father and husband, has confirmed the promise, the vow of this new Nazarite dedication. 
Now it's on. Now we can move forward. God has come in and established his order, and it has agreed all the way back with numbers. Nothing has been violated. Nothing has been disagreed. God works in agreeing order. You see this? It doesn't matter if it's Old Testament or new or what. He, God is, has order, and he never errs against his own word. Aren't you glad we have a God that can do that? I'm glad, because we mess this stuff up all the time. Just read God's word, Judges 13 and 15. Then Manoah said to the angel of the Lord, Please let us detain you, and we will prepare a young goat for you. And the angel of the Lord said to Manoah, Though you detain me, I will not eat your food. But if you offer a burnt offering, you must offer it to the Lord. For Manoah did not know he was the angel of the Lord. See that? He didn't know yet. <laughs> then Manoah, verse 17, Then Manoah said to the angel of the Lord, What is your name? that when your words come to pass, we may honor you. And the angel of the Lord said to him, Why do you ask my name, seeing it is wonderful? Guys, our Lord God is wonderful. If you're mad at God, God, why did you do this? And you're shaking your fist at God. You have forgotten that he is wonderful. His name is wonderful. Verse 19, So Manoah took the young goat, with the grain offering, and offered it upon the rock to the Lord. And he did a wondrous thing while Manoah and his wife looked on. It happened as the flame went up toward heaven from the altar. The angel of the Lord ascended in the flame of the altar. When Manoah and his wife saw this, they fell on their faces to the ground. When the angel of the Lord appeared no more to Manoah and his wife, then Manoah knew that he was the angel of the Lord. They're not saying man, just a man anymore. They're saying it's, this is the angel of the Lord. This was the angel of the Lord, verse 22. And Manoah said to his wife, we shall surely die because we have seen God. But his wife said to him, if the Lord had desired to kill us, he would not have accepted a burnt offering and a grain offering from our hands. Nor would he have shown us all these things, nor would he have told us such things as these at this time. She did have a point, didn't she? <laughs> I think she did. When God says he's going to do something, he's going to do it. He put a lot of promise in Samson that was supposed to come to pass. Now, one thing, though, and, and people do this, when, when, when they feel threatened by this men being better than women kind of issue that... Manoah had to be there to confirm. They miss it. They miss the whole point I just made. This is about protection. What they will do is they will knock on old Manoah. They'll get on him for being thick-headed here because he goes, oh, we're going to die. And the wife goes, no, he wouldn't have said all that. And they go, oh, see, look at that, you men. You're kind of dumb sometimes. No, 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 wait a minute. Hang on. <laughs> He's reacting. Knee-jerk reaction real quick here. I mean, you just saw, Wow. I mean, she's seen him before. This is his first time. He's still processing, not making excuses for him. He was off, and she was right. I get it. But we're not going to play that up and down who's better thing. If I'm not going to do it for the men, I'm not doing it for the women either, okay? So we're going we're gonna to be balanced here. But what gets me here, when the angel of the Lord ascended up through the flames, it says they both fell down. Both of them fell down. They didn't get it until he went through those flames, and then they both hit the ground, both of them. Neither Manoah or his wife fully understood exactly who this was until he went up. And when he did, it knocked them both out, didn't it? 
In fact, when you read Judges 13, verses 6 and 10, his wife calls the angel a man. We've seen that. Man. Called him a man of God, and his countenance was like that of an angel. So she didn't fully realize who this was any more than Manoah did. So let's not trash Manoah so hard. They both just, it both just hit him, and then they fell on the ground. Like, whoa, that's who that was. They both knew they were talking to somebody extraordinary, but the full realization didn't hit them until he went up. And then they had a deeper understanding. Now their understanding went much deeper than that, and that's why they fell at the sight that this just wasn't a man. This was the Lord, the Lord God. Judges 13 and 24. So the woman bore a son and called his name Samson, and the child grew. And the Lord blessed him, and the Spirit of the Lord began to move upon him at Mahaneh, Dan, between Zorah and Eshtel. Okay, so this was the fulfillment of God's promise. You're going to have a son, all these great things are going to happen, and here it went. It started happening. Like I said, when God promises to do something, he's going to do it. It went all down like he said it would. This once barren woman did have a son. That's pretty incredible right there. And the Spirit of God began to empower him, to bring him up to where he could deliver Israel. Now, something interesting I noticed, different here in chapter 13, compared to the previous chapters we've covered so far, is that there is no mention at all about Israel repenting. Did you catch that? All the times before, they cried out to the Lord. They cried out to the Lord. They cried out to the Lord. We didn't see that here this time. It just says they're under, they did evil. They went to 40 years of oppression, and then the, and the angel of the Lord showed up. You're going to have a son. He's going to deliver him. Wait, wait, wait I, I didn't hear repentance in there. Because that, that was the theme I was used to hearing all through uh, Judges. So does this mean that God suddenly no longer requires repentance before he will send a deliverer? Does, is that what it means? I don't think so. What's going on? I want you to consider something about yourself. I'm going to parallel this over to us today, what we just learned. Consider the fact that the Lord God sent you and me a deliverer while we were still enacting evil. Did he not? He sent me a deliverer who has been available to me before I had repentance on my mind at all. I want to show you Romans 5 and 8. But God demonstrates his own love toward us in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. This passage says that God sent us a deliverer before we repented so that by the time we finally did see the error of our ways, then we'd also see the way of salvation. Pretty cool. But to receive salvation, you've got to believe in Jesus, not just a light belief, not head knowledge. That's what I'm finding. Most people today only have a head knowledge. They know this guy named Jesus died on the cross, and he's supposed to be the way to heaven. They know it up here in the head. They never swallowed it into the heart yet. And that's where they're off. That's where they're going to get in trouble. The Matthew 7, depart from me, I didn't know you. Well, we knew all this. You knew it, but you didn't believe it. That's, that's a problem. Christians, anybody hearing me, you consider yourself a Christian, you know it, but you didn't get that deeper meeting realization yet that made you hit your knees. You need to realize what Jesus did for you. He died on the cross for you. You've got to submit to that. You can't just know it. You have to believe it. It can't just be a light belief, but a deeper understanding. Manoah and his wife, they had the angel of the Lord right in front of them. 
He was standing right there talking, but for the duration of their time together, they didn't have a full realization of who he really was. Now, you can tell most people have encountered the Lord in some kind of way, but never got a full realization of who he is because his presence never brought them to their knees in awe that his name is wonderful. I can tell you how I know people aren't saved that claim to be. Their mouth gives them away. They curse God's name. They GD this. They Jesus that when they're mad. Do you realize his name is awesome and wonderful? You shouldn't talk like that. If you really knew, if it was in your heart, you wouldn't say that, but it's stuck in your head. You need to flush it down into the heart. People that have never fully recognized Jesus as Lord, they prove that they are not dedicated, that they are not wholly set apart because they refuse to sacrifice anything. Remember the list of things that she had to sacrifice? You can't eat this. You can't drink that. You can't do these things. She had to sacrifice a lot. Nazarites had to sacrifice a lot of things to show that they were specially dedicated to God. And there are people today that say they have Jesus, but they won't sacrifice anything. They're still doing the same old goofy nonsense sin stuff that they've always done and claim to be saved in Jesus Christ. Guys, it does not add up. The Nazarites had to give up a lot to begin their vow of dedication. The same goes for us. You have to have a life of sacrifice to to show everybody that you are who you claim to be. Romans 12 and 1 says, I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice. Sacrifice. That means you've got to give a lot of stuff up. I can't do the same old things I used to do anymore. That old Ray, that guy is dead. I can't go there anymore. I've got friends that remember me how I used to be back then. Hey, Ray, come on and let's go. I, I can't. Oh, what are you, Mr. Good, goody Two-Shoes now? No, I'm saved. And I can't go back to that old life anymore. I just can't do it. Holy. Living sacrifice. Holy. What does holy mean? It means set apart. I am dedicated to the Lord. Acceptable to God. That's what makes God accept you. Living for Jesus requires you to give up sinful things. The Nazarite vow should illustrate this for us. What do we give up? We give up whatever the Lord says is sin. Whatever he tells you to give up, you have to give up. Well, I don't want to give that up. Well, I don't see how you can fully dedicate like you think you are. I'm just being real, being blunt, honest. And sadly today, people refuse to live as a sacrifice. They refuse to be holy unto God. They still want to do what they want to do. So if you want to live a life dedicated to God, then you must believe the gospel to have the promise sealed upon you. Ephesians 1.13 says, In him you also trusted after you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, in whom also having believed, it doesn't say no, It says believe. Difference in believe and know. Having believed, you were sealed with the Holy Spirit of promise. Holy Spirit of promise. That means what God says he's going to do, he will do. God has vowed. He has promised salvation if you'll do this. But as we learned here in chapter 13, that vow has to be made. That vow has to be made in the hearing of the Father. This vow has to be made 
and the hearing of the Father, because he is the one who has the authority to confirm it upon you. Hallelujah. God has the gospel in every book of the Bible. If you'll just look for it, it's there. He has the authority to confirm it upon you. Too many people are living a life that they think is under God's promise, but they live their lives without sacrifice. They live their lives with no mark. The Nazarites had a mark. It was the long hair. You get the Holy Spirit of promise as your mark that proves that you've got the deposit of eternal life. You get that mark. Too many people are living without that promise, without that mark, no sacrifice, proves that they do not have a full realization of who God is. They don't fall to their knees in the awe of his wonderful name. They know he's some guy. Like Manoah and his wife said, well, that's a guy. But they didn't realize it until he went up and then they hit their knees. I'm asking people in America, you think you're saved and you're not living the, the, the structure? You're not living the things that prove you're saved? Have you hit your knees yet? Do you realize that Jesus is not somebody you should be cussing at? You should not be cursing his name. You should not be blaming him and shaking your fists at him and asking, why did you do this to me? And He offers you life. He offers you a way out from the whole mess that you're in. And you blame him. Do you realize who you're talking to? He can give you new life from a barren past, just like he did with Samson's mother. I pray you recognize who this Lord is. It will make you hit your knees. It will make you want to get away from that old life. You won't want it no more. I pray for the salvation of many people who think they are but are not. That's Matthew 7. You ought to read it. It'll scare you. A good scare. You are not worthless. You are priceless. Messiah Jesus died on the cross to redeem you. I pray you take him up on it. His name is wonderful. Father, we thank you for your word today in Judges 13. Wow, Lord, what a gospel picture you had. Lord, I pray for those who have only had it as head knowledge. They never realized who you are. And whoever's hearing me right now, they realize, "Uh uh-oh, I'm in trouble. I, I never caught that. That, Lord, you're showing them now who you are. And upon that realization, they confess that Jesus is Lord and you're hearing, Lord God, so that you can confirm that vow, that promise that they will be saved, the mark of the Holy Spirit. You will confirm it upon them, Lord. If you're hearing me right now, pray this. I can't pray it for you. You've got to pray it from your heart, not your head. Father, I messed up. Forgive me. I'm sorry. Thank you for your way of salvation. Forgive me and heal me and fix me. Thank you for offering me eternal life. I could never do it on my own. I now pronounce Jesus as Lord in your hearing, Lord God. Thank you. Confirm that promise upon me by your authority. And thank you that you, the king, should not have had to come down to fix my mess, but you did. You put yourself below me to save me. So now, Lord, I put you above all. I ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for listening to Set for Life. 
We hope you can join us next time, unless Jesus returns for us first. Set for Life is the radio ministry of Pastor Ray Jensen. We invite you to subscribe to our podcast at setforliferadio.com. Hi, this is Ray Jensen. Thank you for giving me the opportunity to encourage you in God's Word. If the Bible doesn't excite you, then you're not reading it. I want you to remember that you are not worthless. You are priceless. Messiah Jesus died on the cross to redeem you so that you can be set for life. You'll be set for life.